0: For years now it's been a tradition. Fridays at 11:30. Dan Cook, The Human vault. nobody has a greater capacity for holding on to information. He's got a photographic memory, greater capacity to process information and it's just a, it's something to be behold he ought, he ought to be performing in Vegas, but he performs on this show Friday mornings at 11:30. Uh, tomorrow we've got a special farewell show. Uh, so we're going to be cramming a whole bunch of stuff in. Uh, we love to have some time with Dan when we have the, the chance to have him on. So we're doing the Friday Human Vault thing on uh, Thursday. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about our, our farewells to 680 CGOB uh, later on in this half hour. I do want to start out with... The debates, Uh, we've got uh, two debates tonight, Naturally, we've got the Canadian Leaders' Debate that most Canadian media is focusing on, Uh, but we like to be brutally honest on this program, and there are many Canadians that will uh, watch a little bit of the Canadian Leaders' Debate and uh, then sort of channel surf and uh, check out what uh, the Americans are up to, and the reason they're going to be checking it out isn't because of uh, Jeb Bush and uh, Marco Rubio and Chris Christie. They're going to be checking it out because of... Of Donald Trump, so Dan Cook, uh, let's talk about why Donald Trump uh, transcends politics and certainly transcends borders.
1: Well, the, the bottom line, Charles, is is that this guy is the anti politician, and he says things that are on his mind. He's incredibly frank. A lot of the times, he's wrong, but nonetheless, he's an extremely uh, frank individual. And what he's doing is what a lot of people are doing. He's railing against the system. The big thing is is that it's one thing to rail and anyone can host a talk show and complain and about this and that and find fault with everything. But what's more difficult than complaining is actually finding solutions and fleshing out those solutions and explaining, you know, other than I'm going to make Mexico build a wall, you know, really getting into things in terms of vision. So yeah, you can say we're getting ripped off. And yeah, you can say ISIS is bombing the crap out of this and that and whatnot. But you have to have solutions. And I think that's what I'll be looking for him from tonight. Obviously, a lot of people want to see the statesman. What I'm Interested in seeing is some substance.
0: All right, so you're you're a math guy. Yeah, uh, there're ten people on stage. How yes. on earth? I mean, seriously, how on earth does anybody have time uh, to offer a substantive solution in that kind of format?
1: It, it is the best question that you ask, Charles, because candidates will get an average of 10 minutes. CBS is reporting that if you're a minor candidate of the group of 10, you may only get five minutes. Let's just assume it's 10 minutes each. That means that the candidates will be idle for 110 minutes on stage and they'll have to keep fully alert to respond to any barbs or tricky questions. So just imagine you're in front of 5,000 people. You're being grilled by three moderators. Everybody's looking at you. There's 10 people on stage. One person's talking, and you will literally stand there for 110 minutes. Uh, I can't wait for this, Charles. I am so excited. And I just want to make one other note. You know, there's been a lot of media bashing about the republicans and i've even said in the past that donald trump has acted like a buffoon at times but really what a qualified field you got the billionaire trump you got former governor jeb bush the uh, wisconsin governor scott walker texas senator ted cruz kentucky senator rand paul florida senator marco rubio retired neurosurgeon Ben Carson, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and Ohio Governor John Kasich. We may agree with some of their policies. We may disagree with some of their policies. But at the end of the day, all of these people are credible, and in some way or another, they're successful.
0: Dan, I can't help but notice, because I'm on Twitter and all the other social media, that many people who are definitely not fans of Trump Right. Many people on Twitter who will not likely vote uh, for Trump if he's the Republican nominee are actually apologizing for how wrong they were. We're talking about, about a bunch of so-called major league pundits and, and talking heads. They thought Trump would be out of it by now and they're actually apologizing and saying quite candidly, I was wrong.
1: I think you may have to add me into that pile. I called Trump a buffoon on your show. I've Ridiculed some of his comments way before he even announced that he was running for the presidency or when he announced for the presidency. Where I went wrong, Charles, was this guy has been musing since 1987 about running for office. And every four or eight years we hear, oh, I may run, I may not run. He shows up into a couple of primary states, gives out a bunch of speeches, gets a lot of media coverage, and then buzzes off back to 725 uh, Park Avenue in New York and hangs out at his office, and he gets all of this free media coverage. So it's sort of like the boy who cried wolf, Charles. I've got about five occasions where he said he was going to run for president, and he didn't. So that's where I was wrong. Where I disagree with you, and you grilled me on this last week, You know, look, he's number one, and people are now treating him seriously, and they are thinking about the possibility of – a Republican GOP presidential nominee, Donald Trump. Where you gave me the hard time last week, and you were absolutely correct, Charles. You said, well, what about Iowa? What about New Hampshire? You went through all of the states, and you said, isn't he going to win? And I kept saying, yes, yes, yes. And we got off the phone, and I thought to myself, where am I going wrong with this? Charles is giving me a lot of logic. I'm agreeing with his logic. And the only thing that I can tell you, Charles, is this – in my gut and generally i'm right i'm right more times than wrong my gut tells me in 2016 it will not be presidential or president donald j trump having said that i perhaps it's a possibility he could be the republican nominee
0: i think that i look at these things in a very unsophisticated way and maybe that's why I end up being right and you end up being wrong yeah. about the potential because because I I, I honestly don't care what, what other people say. I've got my own mind and I've got my own lights and the others, the uh, uh, conventional wisdom people have been wrong about so many things over the years. So my unsophisticated way of, of, of doing this is I honestly see most of the contenders as stiffs. I, I see most of them as losers. I, I realize that some have been governors of states, and some of them. Say, but I'm talking about, you know, when when I, when I take a look at uh, great uh, presidents, great uh, presidential profiles in my own lifetime, as far as the U.S. is concerned. I mean, it's it's really simple. It's Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. and it's Ronald Reagan, yep. and it's Richard Nixon, and yep. it's John F. Kennedy. Those yep. are the ones that, in my lifetime, leap off. The page, And I don't see any of those other people there as being of that rank, of that ilk, where I do see Donald Trump, and I'm not suggesting that I'm looking forward to personally voting for him and that if I was sure. an American, I, this sure. has got nothing to do with my vote. This has got to do with my feel, my, my GPS, as it were. And I see Donald Trump in many ways as the quintessential American. I see America as a country that needs inspiration. And yes, I do see Celebrity Apprentice... All those years, all those episodes, all those bites as filled with moments where Donald Trump communicated with millions of people and did inspire many people to better themselves. Now, people can talk about the gimmicks. They can talk about the marketing. There is substance to the person because if there wasn't substance to the person, he wouldn't be able to inspire that many people. So if people are looking for inspiration among the Republican ranks, I think they are looking Uh, For Donald Trump. And when it comes to the presidency, I'm still not positive that Hillary will be his opponent. But nevertheless, I'm just going uh, as far as the Republicans in New Hampshire, uh, in Iowa, in South Carolina. Those are the first three. I can't imagine any of those dwarfs beating the giant, the guy who's got his name on all those buildings, Donald Trump.
1: Charles, what will beat Donald Trump is Donald Trump. The only way that you're going to be wrong in anything that you just said is if he implodes, if he does something so ridiculous, but – you know what could that be he called john mccain not a war hero he made the ridiculous comments about immigrants i'm not going to go through the whole litany of complaints so what would he have to do to implode would he have to set off a nuclear bomb i mean that's the thing the other angle to this charles is that i do not have a horse in this race but i'm being completely frank with you here I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm sort of rooting for him. And I, 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 I need to go to the shrink, maybe, because on the one hand, he stands for a lot of things that I don't stand for. I'm not mean to people, and I don't say inflammatory things unless there's a basis. For saying inflammatory things. Now, of course, I joked last week that a President Trump would be the greatest thing for me. So part of it is a little schadenfreude in the sense that I'm, you know, boy, wouldn't it be great if he was president? But on a more serious note, Charles, I like that he's railing against the political class. I like that here's a guy that's going out and just saying warts and all. Here's what I think. And what I admire about the frankness, even though it's a little crusty and rusty around the corners, what I admire about the frankness, Charles, is it's 100 percent real. And tonight we'll talk about the Canadian debate in a second. But all of these guys, Harper and Mulcair and Trudeau and the other nine candidates that I mentioned that will be on the stage tonight with Trump, they all have pollsters and they all have these little focus groups and they all tell them what to say. Oh, say this to the old lady in Westmount, you'll get the senior vote. And say this to the middle class person in Winnipeg. Say this to the blue collar worker there and you'll win. He doesn't do that. He actually really doesn't have any pollsters telling him what to say. He wakes up, and he decides what he's going to say. It may be a bit reckless. It may be a bit on the edge, but
0: it is very exciting. So it's the Canadian debate tonight, and then Dan and I will try to figure out a way to say so long uh, to this segment on 680 CGOB. This is our our last Human Vault segment, and our our farewell show on CGOB is tomorrow between 9 and noon Right here. So, Dan Cook, it's uh, Harper versus Mulcair versus Trudeau. What's the human vault looking for?
1: Okay, so for, I'll go through all three. For Trudeau, what I'm looking for in terms of him to be successful is to look and act like an adult that can actually deal with serious issues instead of what we call these, you know, platitudes, these nicety statements about a lovely world. Uh, What I'm going to be curious about for Tom Mulcair is, you know, which Mulcair will appear. We've talked at great length about Angry Tom, and then there's this new and improved version that we've sort of seen in the last couple of months, which is Sincere Tom, the family man. I actually think he's a cross between the two. I think he's angry and sometimes a good way in that prosecutor tone. And there's no doubt about it. He is a family man. He comes from a large family and you know, loves his wife and kids and all of that. But it's very easy to make angry Tom pop out. So I'll be curious about that. And then for Harper, you know, look, he's the incumbent. You essentially want to avoid any major blows. You want to let Tom and Justin duke it out. And Look, the prime, and this is what the media gets constantly wrong about him. He's not trying to reach all Canadians. He's not trying to reach the people here and there that hate him. His major goal is to motivate his his base to vote, Charles. And if they do, if he can get, you know, 35 to 40 percent of that strong conservative supporters to get out and vote, he'll be reelected.
0: Now, it would seem to me that we always talk about uh, expectations because you can't surprise uh, an audience unless they have certain expectations. Nobody expects Harper to fall on his face. He's just not that kind of guy.
1: No, he's not. And look, he's not a great debater, but he's not a bad debater. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree with, you know, your listeners, if they agree like Harper or they dislike Harper, whatever the case may be. I can say two things about him. Number one, he's incredibly decisive. And number two, I've never seen him be stumbled on a file. And you go before the National Press Corps, they ask you all these questions. You don't know what the questions are. And it could be the most far-flung question about something foreign policy related or a small – this guy knows what's going on. So to your point, Charles, you'd really have to land that knockout blow, and I don't suspect that. That that will in fact happen
0: to the prime minister. Dan Cook, why do you think a lot of people, including yours truly, uh, have been voting for for Harper the last few times? Do you think that uh, most of us uh, vote for him? The ones who do because we like him. Is that mean? I'm just asking.
1: I think Charles, it comes down to the best of the worst. And today, my reading of this, and I would have told you this before the writ was dropped, Charles. People and this is, look Harper. Ten years he has he just presided over his tenth Canada Day on Parliament Hill. So right there, you're near the max before people uh, certainly want to kick you out. Charles, uh, I I'm just fascinated that he's actually even running. And I and I know this is going to sound crazy, and you might think that this is the craziest thing that I've ever said on your show, but here goes. I strongly believe that he was ready to go. His number one goal is to always to destroy the Liberal Party of Canada, and they'll tell you that off the record. And I think that it was just too tantalizing to go without knocking off a Trudeau and be able to put that on his CV. If he was smart, I'm not saying he's going to lose Charles, but man, he's not a wealthy guy. Cash out. Go and sit on the boards. Go make your millions of dollars. Enjoy your life. This is a very risky proposition.
0: So I think that many of us have uh, voted for Harper for the same reason uh, we vote for other people. It's because it's because he's, he, it's because of who he isn't. You know, I did, he his his name wasn't Michael Ignatiev, right? Yeah. And uh, that's why I voted for, for Harper. Now I come from a part of the world where you vote for the Conservatives or the Liberals with all due respect to, uh, to the NDPers, the, 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 the part of the yeah. world I come from, uh, the two contenders, the Liberals and the Tories. So, so the point is that there, there was just no way I was going to vote for Stefan Dion. There was no way I was going to vote yeah. for Michael yeah. Ignatieff. And I I, I I can't see myself. I mean, I, I, you know, who knows? Something may change in, in Vancouver. You know, I may drink a different kind of wine. Uh, but anyway, that that's the way it is. So I just, uh, the re- reason I, I push back on is because yep. you know I always hear this nonsense about uh, do they like him do they dislike him. I don't think I I don't think that uh, people are as crazy about this He's got to be the kind of guy I want to have a beer with Sure I, I just I I've never bought into that and I don't buy into it now So let me just uh, focus here because we've only got a, a couple of minutes left Yeah on, and I on, need on, some time on on on, <laughs> on radio and yep. what it is that you and I love to do uh, That uh, we'll be doing a lot of in the coming years. But we may not be doing it right here on 680 CGOB because this particular barn, uh, the the door is being shut on it uh, on Friday because my my family and I are, are taking off for BC.
1: Okay, so I'll need about 60 seconds here. And I'm going to start on January 23rd, 2006. That's the first day we met. It was Election Day. You were on TV, and poof, the TV went into split-screen mode, and a moron with an agenda appeared, and he said that supporters of the Conservative Party would vote for Hitler. At the time I was working for the Globe, I pounced on it. My 99-year-old grandfather turns 100 this November. He's a survivor. He supports the Conservative Party. He does not vote for Hitler. You saw the piece I wrote. You invited me on your show, and together we exposed the moron. Fast forward to today, it's 2015. I've been on your show for just under 500 weeks. And I always, Charles, thought that I'd get fired before you retired. But here we are. The easiest and obvious thing to say is that you've made me a better broadcaster. And you 100% have. But the real story is you've actually made me a much better person. And what I really want your listeners to know is, To you, the real client was and will always be your listeners, and that's exactly the way it should be. So, my friend, I'll see you out west in the fall. Enjoy. Congrats, muzzle tub. You have earned it.